0: Welcome to the Teaching Ministry of the Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. For those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Josh. Well, I'm going to be finishing up our James chapter, our James series, which we've called "I Pity the Fool." So we'll be in James chapter five. If you have your Bible, you could turn there right now. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, Pastor Joe and Julie, it's your anniversary. Is it today? Tomorrow. Well, happy anniversary a day early. So have fun, do something fun and amazing. Pastor Chris's birthday today. If you have his number, text him. Make sure you wish him happy birthday. So, this is just some house cleaning stuff, house items, right? My sister's birthday is on Monday. August 8th, so tomorrow I'll wish her happy birthday, but so yeah, so it's, uh, it's good to be here. If you don't know who we are as the College Church, we really are a family church in every aspect of the word. I work with my family, but we all treat our church as a family, right? So, you know, we, we joke, first time you're, you're here, you're a guest, welcome home, right? Next time you're here, we're going to put a vacuum on your back and you could vacuum some area, right? Clean up after the kids or something. So we love having you here. So we're, we're glad to be here. Are you in James 5 yet? If you are, say yes. yes. All right, good. Well, before we get there, there is a rich man who is having a really big party for his town. He wanted to show off the extent of his wealth, so he invited everybody. And as everybody was over, he was just showing off in every single way. And as they were in the backyard, he said, hey, that pond right there in, our, in my yard has an alligator that's massive. It's 20 plus feet. If anybody's willing to go in there and kill the alligator, I'll give him a million dollars. And as he's saying that, he hears a giant splash. And then he starts to see the alligator come up and rolling and somebody wrestling with the alligator. And about a minute or two later, the alligator stops moving and is completely dead. And this man comes limping out of that pond and bloodied and bruised. And and the the rich man was just shocked that anybody was willing to do that. He says, I I owe you a million dollars. The man says, no, sir, you don't. He says, well, you just killed that alligator. And I said, I was going to give you a million dollars. Let me, let me give you something. Let me give you half a million. He says, no, sir, I don't want that. So, well, well, what do you want? And he said, I just want the name of who pushed me into that pond. So, yeah, so that's a, that's a good one, right? So that all has to do with a little bit of what we'll read in James. We're going to read James chapter 5. There's really three or four sections in this chapter. The first section we'll talk about rich people. Uh, The second section I'll focus on actually for the message here this evening, and then the third section is kind of the conclusion of it. Uh, But if you're there in James chapter 5, those of you online as well, we're glad you're joining us. You can, let's stand up. I'm going to read the whole chapter here this evening, and then, uh, then I will pray after I'm finished reading. And I know You know, one of the amazing things I know is that even as I read this chapter from the Bible, the Lord's going to speak to you. It won't matter what I say afterwards. He's going to speak to you right in the midst of it. And that's what's really awesome about it. Let me read. James chapter 5. Look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Verse 7, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy." But most of all my brothers and sisters never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned are you any of you suffering hardships you should pray are any of you happy you should sing songs sing praises are any of you sick You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness Of many sins father we come to you here this evening lord we know that you're already speaking through the book of James lord to to us that are in here those who are joining online father give us open ears to hear what you have to say lord we want to grow closer to you father we want to reach more people around us for you and your kingdom in Jesus name we pray everybody says amen amen give a high five to somebody around you there you go Good. Well, James chapter 5, obviously last, last uh, chapter of this book, he's concluding. And as he starts off the chapter, there's very harsh words, right, for a group of people, which he describes as you rich person or you rich people, right? So you have to remember at this time and day of age, and it might not sound much different than as I describe it than today, but there's really four classes of people. There's the filthy rich, <laughs> the rich. There is poor and the filthy poor, right? Most of the believers of that day really fit into the last two categories, and they were often oppressed or or, or pushed down by the people of the first two categories, right? And the people were often treated unjustly without recourse, without any action. In fact, the rich people uh, often controlled the judicial system. So I'll let you make... Connections that you would like to on your own. James doesn't hold back upon those who cause those issues. But the point of this is not that wealth was the problem. Wealth is neither moral nor immoral, it's amoral. It means it has no, no, nothing is wrong with wealth. It depends upon how the people who have it utilize it, right? Pastor Judy actually just talked about that a little bit. He's addressing that the people who, he's addressing these people who use their wealth to abuse them, right? Yet in the midst of this, right, in James's harsh words, He then changes to the group of people who he describes as dear brothers and sisters. So in that early part, he's really talking to people who probably, I would be highly surprised if they were in the church. In fact, they're probably people outside of the church that they could envision. And then he changes and starts to encourage the people within the church. I'm going to focus on that next, this next section of who the people he's encouraging, because what he encourages them about, I think we all need to be encouraged, and that is Patience, right? My message title I called is A Little Patience. That's a little reference to an old Guns N' Roses song called Patience. Whenever I hear the word, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, right? Axl Rose singing a little bit of a ballad rather than rocking out, right? Patience, though, can be described in four different sentences. It's, it's described as bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. It can be described as forbearance, under provocation, or strain. Patience can be described as not hasty or impetuous. And it can also be described as steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Really, the definition I would like to use is just the ability to hold strong under the pressures, under the weight of the pressures of life. Right, And not just the ability to hold strong under those pressures, but to do so with a good attitude. The thing is, is that I never grow patient how I plan to. I'm not sure if you fall in that same category as me. I never grow patient how I plan to. In fact, I often ask God to teach me patience right now, and I don't know why it doesn't work that way. But that's not how patience works. Patience is actually more like a muscle that gets exercised, which we'll talk about. There's three truths from this passage about patience that I want to look at a little bit deeper here this evening. The first is that patience requires hope. The second is that patience will result in strengthening or growth, if you want to use a different word. And patience, the third thing, will always reveal God's character, right? So those are my three points. I think they're up on the screen. You can write them down, and now you can listen without having to worry very much about what comes next, right? Patience requires hope, right? Point one, patience requires hope. In this passage, James hits it right away that this hope is, is in the Lord's return or the Greek word there is parousia, which is the, in the theological term, it, we'd say it's the imminent return of Christ. Parousia is a, a king returning after conquering, right? Where there's gonna be a victory or celebration. For us to have patience how we, need to ha- how we need to, we need to have a hope that is secure and strong. Because if we don't have patience in, uh, with the hope, we're not gonna have that patience at all, right? If we don't have hope of something greater, we're not gonna last and in- withstand the things that we go through in life, right? I'm sure you guys have all been in this category. I have five kids. I've used this phrase quite a lot. It's I'm at the end of my patience, right? I'm at the end of my rope. I'm all out of patience, right? We, we run out of patience on our own, right? But then we, if we have that hope of something greater, we can regroup, refocus, and, and be able to endure whatever it is. We tell our kids actually all the time when they want something, they usually don't ask us once. They ask us about 48 times, and we tend to remind them, uh, which we picked up the, from our friends, he said, put on your patient hat. And we do the little like hand motion to put a hat on. And now they kind of roll their eyes at us when we do it. But we're trying to remind them like you can be patient too, right? If we don't have a reason to be patient, we won't be patient. James is encouraging these, his readers of this letter to be patient, right? He just went through how these wealthy people had been oppressing him, but he reminds them God's in charge right? God's in charge. Doesn't matter what they do to you, the Lord's in charge and he's going to come back. It's the ultimate focus of our patience. In fact, we have that eternal hope for us so that whatever situation that we're going to face, whatever external challenges or internal urges we have, we have an eternal hope that allows us to stand and be patient and go through anything, right? Because we will go through anything. We'll go through all sorts of things in life. Jesus tells us that. He said it in in the Beatitudes. He said that we, that he says, God will bless you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. It's like they had social media at that time. Because you are my followers. Be happy about it, right? Be very glad for great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted the same way. Then life's gonna have that. You're gonna have these challenges, these troubles. Are you, gonna, are you gonna be patient through them? Even James, early in his letter, going back to James chapter 1, verse 12, said, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The psalmist says it slightly differently in Psalm 41. 40, chapter 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. Patience requires hope. James uses the example of the farmer, and the farmer has to have patience whenever he plants seed or scatters the seed, right? Because last time I checked, if you put seed out, it doesn't grow immediately. It takes some time. But there's always that expectation when a farmer scatters the seed that there's going to be a crop, a harvest will result from that seed. The hope is that God's going to do what, what he, only he can do through that seed. And he's going to do that, right? In life, we'll be going through things and we need to remember that, uh, that we need to, in the midst of our waiting and our being patient, we need to know that God is also working, just like the farmer in the midst of his patience He knows that God is working. Even as a farmer was waiting, he would still probably try to get some water to the crop, some irrigation, you know, right? As we wait for the Lord to work, we need to let our soul get some irrigation, some spiritual water. We need to spend some time in prayer and reading the word. The farmer doesn't just let the crops grow without pulling weeds, right? And in our life, one of the things that helps pull the weeds from our life is confession. I think they have the chart up behind me, so you get to see it as I talk about it, right? The farmer, he's going to prune the fields as needed, get rid of things that are dying. You know, and the reality is, is if we spend time in fellowship, our character will get pruned, right? As a dad of young kids, I'm very, I'm very watchful as to, as to who's around them because I want to know what type of character is influencing them at their age. You know, when we get older, it shouldn't be any different, right? We need to prune as well. And the farmer's got to keep the pests away, right? The pests are going to go in there and try to devour it. Worship, thankfulness will keep the pests away in our life as well. While you're waiting, keep doing what you know you should be doing. It's that simple, right? What if the farmer was disheartened by the slow progress and just decided, I'm going to dig up the seed and hopefully there's fruit there right? He'd have nothing. He'd have nothing. And often we can do that in our lives with the Lord. We can be like, God, I'm going to just start digging up and we're going to try to do it on our own. But we haven't had the patience to to let God work yet. We need to have the patience to go through it. The thing about it is that we often get anxious, right? And anxiety will lead to worry. And then worry becomes the enemy of our, our patience and it starts to kill our trust. Our trust in the Lord, it starts to have us doubt his promises and his truth in our life. We need to have patience and be anchored to it, right? Could it be that our patience is connected with our prayer life? Just a question to ask and to think about. Maybe the depth of our prayer life can determine the breadth of our patience and our endurance in life, right? James, who is the writer of this letter, was referred to as old camel knees, because he spent so much time in prayer, right? And if you know anything about camels, they, they drop on their knees to help lit, get, the, get anything on top of them, right? But he dropped to his knees, so he's known as that. We need to just pray, right? We need to spend time in prayer. Our spiritual life should go from being tender knees and calloused hearts when we meet the Lord to, to callous knees and tender hearts towards him as we grow, right? that should be part of the transformation that takes place within our life. We need to focus on prayer. It's not an obligation, it really is a privilege that we have. It's a sovereign remedy for anything we face in life, right? It's prayer. It's a standing invite to draw closer to God at any point where no experience, joy, pain, adversity, prosperity can cancel that out. We have the ability to focus on him, but we have to have a hope that God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. Our patience requires hope. Patience, the other thing that James talks about here, uh, after he uses the example of it, he, he, can, he says again, you too must be patient. Take courage, right? Patience require, will result in strengthening. To take courage is really the word to be strengthened, be strong, right? Stand in it, be strong in it. My 13-year-old son, Asher, he's just hitting that point where he, he, for about the last year, he's been really concerned with how he looks and you know his muscles and he'll flex in the mirror like I do all the time, clearly. So he's been at football practice the past week and he's been like, my friends are all ripped. They have gyms at home, blah, 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 blah. You know, So I'm like, don't worry, Asher, don't worry about it. You'll, 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 you'll be ripped too someday, like me. Um, I'm like, do push-ups 30 days straight. You do that and we can talk about a gym membership, right? If you need a good gym, Darren and Lohi have a great one in Fullerton and I'd highly recommend it, right? So glad you guys are here tonight. But yeah, he's really focused. He wants that strengthening. He sees that, right? Patience will result in strengthening. It helps us withstand storms. It helps us build endurance. We can't grow strong if we're weak in patience, though. Because we're not gonna we're not gonna push through things, we can't endure without patience, and patience won't last long without endurance. There's a chart that I made as I was reading this and thinking about it, and you could see it. It's kind of, it, basically you have patience and endurance, right? And I, I, as just as I think about this, this becomes so powerful. You have patience and you have endurance, and as you have patience and you're going through different things, you're going through your suffering, your pain. Your challenge is you, we, we have this great gift from the Lord to pray and to seek God, to ask him, right? And as we begin to do that, it actually helps us get to that endurance side to continue to go through the things that we're facing, right? And it might not mean the situation changes, but we're be, we've been patient, we're praying, and then we start to endure through these things. And as we endure, we, we actually realize that God's at work in the midst of it. And it can allow us to to be cheerful or joyful in the midst of this situation. And now we're not just just being patient and bearing under it, but we actually can come to this joyful side of things, this endurance that leads to praise where we begin to thank him for what he's done. And it might not have happened yet in our life, but we've seen it happen before in somebody else's life, or it's happened earlier in our life, and we continue to, thank him through it, and then we realize, I can keep being patient, right? And it's, this is the healthy cycle to endure it patiently through things. And the devil's going to do anything he can to stop us in the midst of this cycle. Really, I, I think this chart summarizes actually James chapter, the, the 13th verse of this chapter, where if you're suffering hardships, pray, right? Are you happy? Sings praises, right? I think it summarizes it because that, this cycle will lead you to a strengthening in your life. Prayer takes the weight of our suffering and transfers it to the Lord. As we do that, we're able to endure. And as we endure, we realize God's work through the situation leads us to praise him again in the midst of it. And as we praise him, it strengthens our ability to be patient and just wait for the Lord again. Growing in patience, that's... Part of what happens when we're patient, patient, we will result in strengthening. Part of patience is flat-out self-control, right? Galatians 5, in the fruit of the Spirit, it talks about that. Second Thessalonians, Paul writes, Now may the, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us by his, by his, and by his grace, gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, right? There's that word again, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. That's Paul's prayer for that church, right? Strengthening comes from our dependence on God's work. James uses the example of Job, which by the way, Job's not referred to by name anywhere else in the Bible. It's kind of an interesting side note. What he goes through is referred to, but he refers to Job as the example of patience. And if you read the book of Job, Job's not necessarily patient, right? You know everybody around him's like just curse God and die including Job's wife right Job's not necessarily patient but he he grows through that process right he learned patience he chose to endure he pressed on and that he became the example that James uses of patience in the book of 1st Peter uh, he writes, in in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore you, support and strengthen you, right? And he'll place you on a firm foundation. We have this hope that, and then we get anchored to the Lord and we can endure and we can grow. Colossians 1.11, Paul writes, we Pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. We need both of it. We need it all all the time, but we need his power in the midst of it. Paul writes about to Timothy about himself in 1st 2nd Timothy 3:10 through 12, but you Timothy certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Because Timothy was with them, right? But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Right? Life's not going to be easy. We're going to face the challenges as we have our patience. As, as we put our hope in the Lord, we will grow our patience And as we grow our patience, it'll help us in our walk with the Lord. What are you facing? God wants you to grow. What you're going through gives you a chance to grow too. Patience will result in strengthening. The last point on this is that patience reveals God's character. Right? Patience reveals God's character. James used the example of Job, and at the end of his example about, uh, about it, you see that the Lord was kind to him at the end. The Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. You get that example of Job, Job's patience and endurance, revealing God in a different way to Job. When we go through life's challenges, two things happen. We reveal what's inside of us, right? And we reveal what's inside of him. Just as, as, as what's inside of us is revealed and allows God to strengthen us and reshape us, we also became, become more aware of who he is as we go through things in life. We get a revelation of his character. Our trials, our suffering, our pain, they all allow us to know God in a way that we otherwise might not be able to experience. Right? Right? What is the story of your life revealing to you about the Lord right now? It's a question to ask. Maybe you feel like I'm—I uh, feel like I'm in a financial challenge and lack right now. Well, God wants to reveal Himself as provider, right? He needs you to trust Him through it. Maybe you're facing challenges with anger right now. He wants to reveal Himself to you as peace. He is—he is a God of peace. Your emotions may flare up, but he needs you to rest in him. Maybe you're facing loneliness right now. God wants to reveal himself to you as his, as comforter. He needs you to find that refuge in him. Maybe, maybe there's bitterness that's going on in your life for some reason. God wants you to know that he forgives. He wants you to let him deal with the root of the issue with great care and gentleness in your life. Maybe you're facing depression, but God wants to reveal himself to you as a God of joy. He needs you to celebrate all that he's done that's good and focus on that. Maybe you're facing sickness right now. He wants to reveal himself as healer. He wants you to ask him to touch your body. How is God revealing himself to you right now? It's a great question to ask, right? It's a great question to ask. I like reflective questions because they make us pause and think versus just continuing to go without taking that time to stop. How's God revealing himself to you? I get it. Often it's after we've gone through it that we realize that revelation of what God's doing or who He is. But we need to look and reflect on that and let Him speak to us. Our patience reveals God's character. Patience requires hope in something greater, and we have that as followers of Christ. Patience results in strengthening in our life and our walk with him because we're able to press on and endure and and we're able to get through things that we otherwise might feel like we can't get through alone. And patience reveals God's character, who he is. And then it allows us to share it with other people as well, which is a powerful thing. So I don't know how God's working in you right now, we're going to close service in the next few minutes. And, you know, maybe there's an issue, something you want prayer for. Our prayer team's up here, right? The book of James, as it concludes, it talks about prayer of a righteous man. And we have righteous men and women up here is powerful and effective. I'd invite you, come on up, right? Let them stand and pray with you. James gives, it talks about confess your sins to each other, right? Confess your sins. That's like spiritual cleaning house, right? It's course correction. The Lord loves you. We don't have to be perfect when we come into the Lord's house. It's one of the greatest, one of the things I hear so often from people, I'll come to church when I fix these things. Friends, that's not how it works. You're here. You guys know that. Let them fix it. It's all right. We're not perfect. We know it. Some of you are here right now, and you don't even know the Lord. And you know, you've heard my message. You heard the message, and you think, Hey, I, I appreciate the encouragement to remain patient. I, you know, there situations I'm going through, but, you know, it, so it will be helpful for you in that, but it won't be as helpful if you don't really know the Lord. What I, and I want you to know that God is extremely patient with us. What do I mean by that? Well, God in his patience, he's allowed us to have free will, which means that we can choose to walk in his ways or walk on our own path. He's allowed us to do that. But what does that have to do with his patience? Well, Romans 2, 4, Paul says it this way. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God gives us the chance. He gives us time. He's patient with us so that we can recognize that we really actually just need him. And that sin in our life, it's anything that keeps us from God. It's missing the mark is what really what it means, but it's anything that keeps us from God. And friends, maybe today might be the day for you to come back to him. Whether you're joining online or you're here in person right now, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. So in the privacy of this moment, I want everybody's head bowed and eyes closed and I want to give you a chance to make a decision for him and recognize that it's his patience that's brought you here. But it's going to be your choice to, to submit to him and embrace that patience and come into a personal relationship with him. So with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed in the privacy of this moment, I'm giving you that opportunity to join with others, both inside and inside this room, outside this room, both past, present, and many more who will make the choice in the future. If you are not walking with the Lord, you don't know Him, and you'd like to this evening, go ahead and raise your hand right now so I can see you and agree with you. If you're online, you could let us know. Awesome, I see your hand. As we close in a minute, I want to invite you to connect with one of our prayer team members so we can just stand with you on this decision. It's the best decision ever. In fact, it says, basically the Bible says that heaven throws a party over every time a sinner repents, right? In the parable, uh, the prodigal son, that's that's what it said, the father did. He killed the fattened calf through a party when the son came home. So that's what's happening right now. If you're going through a situation right now, and you know, and you this message spoke to you with everybody's head still bowed and eyes closed, I just want to pray for you. And uh, you know, you could just lift your hand, hand or hands up, and you know, it's just a sign of surrender. And let me pray for you. And uh, then Pastor Judy will come up here in just a moment. Father, Lord, your word is alive; it's living and active. And Lord, your word is wonderful. Lord, even this evening, as as we looked at a little patience, God, Lord, we want to put our hope in you. Father, as we do, we know you're going to help us through the situation. You're going to help us grow as well, Father. And Lord, as you do that, we actually get to draw even closer to you because you're revealing yourself in a new way to us that we otherwise hadn't either known or experienced. Lord, as you do that, that's going to help us to move even closer to you. Use that in our lives, God. Use it to speak to those around us as well. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about the cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.